0: Good morning and thank you for tuning in to Driven to the Cross radio broadcast as part of Christ Covenant Church here in McAllen, Texas. We are so blessed that you have chosen to tune in today and I hope that this will be a blessing for you to hear, that be edifying and educational. We love doing this broadcast and it is such a privilege to have you listening today. I'd like to invite you To check out our Facebook page, we're Christ Covenant McAllen, as well as you can go to our website, uh, Christ Covenant and there you can see links to our previous sermons. There you can get to know us a little bit. Uh, We have a donate button there. If you're being blessed by this ministry, we would love to be able to continue to reach you and and hopefully even get to know you. You can send us an email, and we would be happy to reach out and respond, answer your questions, pray with you. That's what we're here for. We're, we are a body of believers that seeks to serve our community and glorify Christ in doing that. So, again, thank you for tuning into us this morning. Let us pray before we begin our, our lesson. Our Father in heaven, Father, we are truly blessed to have the opportunity to be involved in your work as individuals and even more so as part of your bride, as part of the body of Christ, that we can give you glory and honor, Lord, and that we would be able to draw closer to you, that you would appear so much larger to us the closer we get. We thank you that we can discuss the session of Christ. Father, we thank you that you are still seated on the throne that your son is seated at your right hand ruling and reigning lord would you give us ears to hear eyes to see hearts to receive and hands and feet to serve lord that we could be that living breathing example and build your kingdom we thank you for this opportunity and ask that you would guide us lord in every breath that we take every step that we pursue, that your hand be upon each and every individual's life, that you be glorified therein. And we ask these things humbly, in Jesus' name, amen. We are here on a lengthy series regarding what is known in our theological process as the session of Christ. And last week, we talked about uh what the servant does being faithful and serving as well as being that good steward of what God has imparted to us according to our abilities and i want us to understand that the idea of the session of christ is not a new one it is something that has ma- is very replete in scripture it is one that has if we know what we are looking for, if we know Scripture, if we read Scripture, and we see it contextually, well, it's throughout. And it's a good thing that it's throughout. It's not an obscure text. It's not an obscure thought that Christ should be ruling and reigning. This was so much so that the early church held it in High esteem. It was crucial. It was critical in the mind of the early Christians. Uh, and as that was, it had to it was so crucial and critical and a reality of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that they even put it into some of the early church creeds. We can see it in the, the Nicene Creed, we can see it in the Apostles' Creed. Uh, and we need to understand that. As Christians, we're not creating new doctrine. We are not developing new systems of theology or new systems of thought. Scripture explains Scripture, and the first three Gospels, the Synoptic Gospels, uh, you know Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Well, they tell us that Jesus, before his death, announced that after his death he would be exalted to sit at God's right hand. Now, think about that for a moment. The Bible is a book full of prophecy. Here we have numerous prophecies concerning the birth of Christ. We have numerous prophecies concerning his life and his ministry and even his death. But now we have Christ telling us that he is going to be seated at the right hand of God the Father. Well, was that a new thought? No, it wasn't. We can go back into Psalm 110, which we did last week, and we can see that. We can see that David prophesied this. But then, there's something else. He also said in the Gospel of John that we would see Jesus ascending back to where he had come from and that Jesus himself prophesied and promised that he would come back for us. Now, on the surface, you'd say that sounds absurd because no one gets risen from the dead. And yet you say you are going to be seated at the right hand of God the Father. For some people, that would be so strange. And yet, the early church, the writers of Scripture, uh, and when we go in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd centuries AD, the reality of it was so real. So cherished. And today, it's as if the modern Christian doesn't give it any thought. And I find that troubling. For if we truly sought to honor Christ, we would cleave to, cling to, without any separation, the fact that He has promised to return. And for Him to return, that means He had to go. Well, in the book of Acts, Peter does something, and in that, in Acts chapter 2, he gives the good news. The gospel is preached, and so let's turn here uh, to Acts chapter 2, and our main verse is going to be verse 33, but I want us to go back a little bit so we can see some context, if you will, as I feel that's very, very important, and so... We're going to start at verse 14. And it says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken unto my words. Now, well, if you think about that, here he's standing with the eleven, other eleven apostles. And he's telling them, listen closely to what I'm going to tell you. These men aren't drunk. And well, that goes back into the day of Pentecost with the prophesying in tongues and everyone speaking in a language that everyone understood, which in and of itself was a miracle. But pay close attention because he says, hearken. And then he goes on and he says, for these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Now, let's stop right there for just a moment, because this is crucial. Remember, remember, guys, that Jesus said that he would send power, that he would send the Holy Spirit, that he would send this, that that he would give them the equipment needed, that they were to go to Jerusalem, they were to wait until the Holy Spirit came upon them. And we can go back and we can see in Matthew, uh, where we read about the Great Commission and the instruction that Jesus gave after his resurrection to the apostles on what it is that they were to do. So here we have a fulfillment, right? I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Now, if Jesus did not have the power from on high, did not have the authority given to him by God, this would not have happened. And then it says, And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Well, If you want to know where this is at, besides at Acts, you can go to the book of Joel, one of the minor prophets, and you can go to chapter 2 and see this. And now listen to what Peter says as he recites Joel. And I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord. Come, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now this, my dear friends in Christ, this is powerful. That verse right there is profound because before you had to be a Jew. You had to be in the covenant relationship, following the Mosaic law, following the Abrahamic covenant in order to be in the grace of God. And now, and now, Peter here says something profound. And beyond that, beyond the point of saying that, well, all who call shall be saved, this is tearing down the need to be Jewish. And beyond that, it goes into the authority of Christ. Why? Because if Christ was not who he said he was, and not who he said he is, and not who he said and do what he shall do, this would have no bearing. What authority would a man have to say, you shall be saved if you call upon my name? Unless, unless, dear friends, let me say that again, unless it is as is written in the Gospels, that all power in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. And so if that power was given to him by God, the Father, he then has the authority to have his name be the one which by mankind is saved. Why? Because he is the propitiation for our sins. He paid the penalty. He paid the price. He was perfect in fulfilling the law of God. And not just that, but he was resurrected. You see, this whole idea of Christianity would have gone out the window if Christ had not risen. What bearing would it have on your life if he had just been a crazy individual who died and wasn't risen? Well, my friends, I have good news for you. He is risen, and he is ascended, and he is seated at the right hand of God the Father. Now listen to what it says. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you as ye yourselves also know. So what is he doing there? But <clears throat> proving the point, he's laying the foundation. He names This Jesus, he names specifically who he was. He did not give some arbitrary, obscure answer, but names specifically this Jesus of Nazareth. And then goes on and says, you all know, you've seen the signs, the wonders, the miracles done by God through him. You are aware of these things. Now, that's a testimony. He's calling them into an account to bear witness to the fact of what they've already experienced and thereby lending to the authority of Christ and what is going on. Now, listen to verse 23 and following. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Here's a theological point. If we believe that God is all-knowing and that this was foreordained, thereby set in action from the foundations of creation from before the world was, God has a plan. Just like he has a plan for you. Just like he has a plan for church, for believers, for these troubled times that we live in. My dear friends, one of the problems that we have today is that people do not acknowledge, nor do they accept, that their God is big enough. And you say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, it's pretty simple, my friends. If your God is small enough to be completely understood, then he's not a God worthy of worship. If you can completely understand your God, then he is not God and he's not worthy of worship. Friends, we serve the God who spoke creation into existence, who knows intimately every detail of your life, who knows intimately the ins and outs of everything you are and will be. He foresaw, foreknew, what was required to fulfill his law and gave the authority to his son that it would be done. Listen, I'll finish reading verse 23 and following for you. Him, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David, now this is a prediction, a prophecy concerning the resurrection given by King David. And it says, For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also, my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Now, my friends, we can see this if we are to look in Psalm 16. We can find that in verses 8 and 9. But here's what I want you to understand. If this was so important that people saw it, have it recorded in Scripture at the time of King David, well before the time of Christ, and David had the assurance of the resurrection of the Lord. Think about this if it was of such importance that David knew about it, then how important is it in your doctrinal stance? It's critical. It is absolutely crucial. And it just goes to solidify another stone in the fact that Christ has been raised from the dead ascended and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Now listen further here. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God hath sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne, He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God, exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this, which ye now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, until I make thy foes thy footstool. We saw that, my friends, last week in Psalm 110, verse 1. Oh, I just get excited when I read stuff like this. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, my friends, that's boldness. Remember remember that Peter is speaking to a crowd of people right after they had been in that room, the 144 in the room, praying, and the Holy Spirit is poured out upon them, and everyone is out there speaking, and everyone understands. Now, you have to remember that These people, while they may have been bilingual, they may have been multilingual, they were in an epicenter of trade, and people from all over the known world had come and were doing business here, and now they heard the gospel. But Peter was specifically speaking to those who had witnessed the crucifixion those who knew of this Jesus, those who knew what had transpired. But now, as is often the case, many people, when they hear the gospel, become angry. And for many people, it's because it pricks their soul and they take it as an offense rather than a conviction. And yet, when you have others who receive and are glad to hear and have it made known to them. That's our hope in this radio broadcast that it either convicts you or you are glad to receive it. Either way, we seek to remain faithful to what God has called and allowed us to do and listen to how the crowd hearing the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ responded. But before I get into that, I want you to think about something today. If you serve the risen Savior, if you believe that Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty and is ruling and reigning today, I want you to think about something. I want you to think about what's going on across this land, what is taking place right now here in America with the riots, with the protests, with just the people who are hurting. Seeking answers. Not knowing where to turn. And are just overwhelmed. You don't have to look very far. You can just turn on the television and you'll find out. Or you can turn on the radio and hear it. Or you can go on social media and you can read all about it. And you see the disdain for authority. You see the disdain for perceived wrongs and even for legitimate wrongs. But people... Are not knowing Christ. They're not hearing the good news. They're not. They're not being flooded with it. And my friends, that's the fault of the church. And when I say the church, I'm not speaking of the buildings. I am simply referring to the body of Christ, for we are the church. And you say, well, that's not very nice. That's not fair. Well, I I want to tell you something. The church has been silent too long. The church has been apathetic in its faithfulness to Christ. It has been cold in its faith. It has been just lukewarm and seeking entertainment. We've gone to tickling ears. We've gone to appeasing. But my friends, you just heard how simple and straightforward and how concise Peter conveyed the gospel. It's a very short message. But listen, listen to the outpouring that happened when he, in the next verses, when he spoke to them. Listen to what took place. And hearts are being made ready right now in our towns, across the world. Listen to this. Now, When they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter, being the faithful preacher, says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. That's revival. That is just amazing. Brothers and sisters, I hope that we would develop that passion for Christ. Now, there's a couple things to point out here. Then they that gladly received his word. They weren't coerced. They weren't shamed. They gladly received it, and they were baptized. But now, this is where the church has fallen down. This is where churches have fallen short. And this is where we as churches must repent and begin to do again. This is where we as Christians must seek the face of God and become engaged and do the things that God has called us to do. Last week we read that in the Gospel of St. Matthew. But listen to this. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. And now listen to the result. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that were belie- that believed were together and had all things in common. And we're going to stop there for a moment, because our time is beginning to run out. My friends, When you are a Christian, you must commit yourself to remaining steadfast in the Word of God, steadfast in the doctrines of the Bible, steadfast in that faith, and steadfast in prayer. You must commit yourself to it. Why? So that you're not led astray, so that you are not brought to a place of not understanding, but that the Holy Spirit will reveal to you the meaning of the Word of God, that you would be a greater tool in the working of the kingdom. My friends, the apostles did not go and just create their own doctrine. This was so near and dear to them that they clung to who Christ was and who He is. My friends, do you? Is Christ so near and dear to you that you seek to know Him through the pages of Scripture, that He would be made more real to you, that you would gain a deeper understanding of His Word and become a more faithful and effectual witness in His kingdom. That is our prayer for you today. Now, my friends, I would like to remind you, come check us out later on today at 10.30 on Sunday morning. You can come down. Our church is open. And you can fellowship with us. You can hear more detail on these messages. You can hear greater length. You can get to know some wonderful people. You can check us out on Facebook. We live stream it there if you're unable to get out. You can tune into that. Uh, you can donate through Facebook. You can donate through our website. You can send us a check. We're located at 1320 West Nolana Avenue. And our commitment to you is when you donate to this church, it goes straight out into the ministry of the serving, the community for the gospel of Christ. I want to invite you to come check us out. Pray for us as we are praying for you. May you be blessed, may you be encouraged, and may you be made stronger in the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you, and may God bless you.